The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Creep Show Chronicles, the podcast where we discuss murder, the macabre, and all the spooky shit. I'm Sam. And I'm Ashley. Now grab your weed, your wine, or some coffee, and let's get creepy. Hello. So I originally had a story that was about murders that hap- a murder that happened on Thanksgiving, and then I couldn't find enough research for it. So I said, okay, scrap that. And then I had an article that I found, and it was literally like eight pages long, and I'm just like, this is not history class. So um, we're going to just go off of a couple articles here. So let's pretend that Thanksgiving was not created the way it was for a second. And what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? This is the Thanksgiving episode, by the way. Taking, um, I would, I mean, obviously the turkey, but you obviously have to have the gravy over it because it's dry. It's just dry. We make our turkey in the crock pot and so it's super moist. Is it? Yeah. Super moist. Big enough crock pot for fucking turkey like that. Right. We don't make like a whole turkey. We have like a turkey breast. Yeah, just give me a breast, you yeah, know. There's fine no with point. That. We would never go through a whole turkey. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. Just us two. Yeah, same thing with me. And my bo- it's just us two. Yeah, but yeah, no, I love turkey. But I think my I think my favorite Thanksgiving food is green bean casserole. Oh, I can eat an entire fucking pan of green bean casserole. Pat's mom makes amazing homemade green bean casserole. Mm-hmm. It's mm. so good. I can eat a whole thing of that. And like while I'm making the green bean casserole, I'm snacking on the onions, the the French fried onions. Oh yeah, no, yeah. There's probably those. not gonna be enough uh, fried <laughs> no. onions in there. We always buy two containers so that we can snack on one and then use the other one for. <laughs> yeah, casserole. you gotta have the extra crit. God. <laughs> My mom would make all of the pies and everything and have it ready for the day before. Mm-hmm. So you can't keep that stuff. I am going in there and picking <laughs> all the crust around. You always know what I got into the pie because I always went around, took the crust off, and ate it. One of the things that I loved that we don't get anymore because we don't get together as family anymore because, you know. Yeah, yep, yep. One of my favorite things that we used to make all the time was rum balls or whiskey balls, depending on where you're from and who you are. I think I've heard of rum balls. Oh, they're so fucking good. Don't ask me how they're made. I don't remember. I've never made them. But so nowadays people make them with rum extract, which doesn't really have any rum in it. I mean, it might have a little bit of alcohol in it, but none. Yeah. Back in my day, um, we made them with actual rum and my like eight year old ass is just sitting there eating them just like one, there's not enough alcohol in there to like get you drunk, but like I'm just sitting there eating them. And so my cousin would be like, Sarah Ann, what are you doing? My former name, sometimes my, my sometimes name is Sarah, but I go by Sam by most people. Um, I go by both. I don't care. Um, so yeah, opinions on Thanksgiving, family, and parades. So I I always hated, I loved the food of Thanksgiving, but I always fucking hated Thanksgiving because I don't like my family. <laughs> I think it's just a reason for everybody to get together and just stuff their and face. Argue. That's all of it. Oh God, it is. It's always an oh. argument. Mm-hmm. Never enough room to sit. Why? Yeah. My cousin and her Had sister. sit on the floor and eat. Right? Okay. And literally, so like, I'm the only one of our cousins that... Like, the main group of cousins that are my age, that is, who don't have kids. And so, I was always treated differently at Thanksgiving and at Christmas because I don't have kids. 
So I don't matter, basically. Yeah. And so, um, especially at Christmas time, like, my cousins who have kids would always get, like, these extravagant gifts and, like, all that shit. And I, I literally got a lighter one year. Fucking lighter. I was, like, 16 and I got a lighter. Wow. Because I had, well, I mean, I started smoking before I was 16. But, you know, I, I, I had told my mom that I was smoking at 16. And I fucking got a lighter. What the fuck? Yeah. And I got, oh. One of my favorites, and you know, I don't want to talk badly about the dead because she's no longer living, but one year, my aunt, I so I used to collect Coca-Cola stuff, mm. and one year, my aunt got me a mug from the previous year. It literally had, like, the year on it, but it was the previous year. So, like, let's say it was 2002, she got me a mug from 2001. It literally said 2001 on it. Wow. And it was Christmas 2002 or whenever it was. And I'm just like, dang. Did you just like pull this out of your closet and say, oh, this will yeah. be good for her. Here you go. Like, yeah. Mike, here's <laughs> something that I don't use. Yes. Like, what the fuck? Except and my crap. I was always put as the babysitter, again, because I don't have kids. So everybody would just hand their kids off to me and then go Oh, smoke. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I'm just like, are you fucking serious? And I still, I would get put at the kids' table. Well into my 20s, I was put at the kids' table. Oh, yeah, I know. I re- I think you didn't... What gathering did we go... I don't know. Okay, so you went to Easter and you went to Christmas one time. Um, you Christmas was at my aunt's in uh, at her house that's now sinking into a mine. Oh. But then you went to Easter and then you and Preston were there whenever my cousin was, like, ah. in the woods with whoever. That is insane! There we know nothing in the woods, no yeah. holding hands! Like, we were just out there like, yeah. What the fuck just happened? We were- but <laughs> the funny thing is, is probably I'd say maybe, maybe ten years ago, I kind of stopped putting up with the bullshit. And I started talking back to people. And I started getting treated real differently. And then we stopped getting invited to things. I know, not a great feeling. I'm like, ah, yes. Yes, like, I don't have to Mission accomplished. I know you don't really have, like, cable or anything, so, but when you were younger, did you watch the Macy's Parade? Maybe, I don't know. Oh, my God. That's my favorite, that's my favorite part of Thanksgiving, is the parade. For the parade, they would always have Broadway performances on CBS and on NBC, so I'd literally be sitting there going back and forth between CBS and NBC watching different Broadway performances. (laughs) And then I'd watch the entire parade because, like, back in the day, they had, like, the Backstreet Boys in the parade and, like, NSYNC and whoever else. But, like, I, I don't know what it is about parades. And I am thir- almost 37 years old. When you're listening to this, I will be 37 years old. But I cry at parades. I don't know why. It could just be, like, literally the hometown, like, they just had the homecoming parade. And I didn't cry, but I could feel myself, like, welling up. Right, right, right. I don't right. know why. So, uh, on this episode, we are going to have a headline. So, picture it. Sicily, 1932. You're it's camping. Time, man. Huh? It's a bad time. I know. A very bad time. You're camping and you hear a noise outside your tent. When you go to look, you find a killer crab. What the fuck? Where are you? Are you, like, right on the edge? <laughs> right, right next to the water? How far uh, are you from, from the... This is from a USA Today article. And we'll put the article in the uh, description. But Kyle King was camping on the uninhabited island of Kamaka off Okinawa, Japan, when he was awakened around 2 o'clock in the morning by scratching sounds outside his tent. The Michigan native, who lives in Japan, grabbed his phone, turned on the flashlight, 
and began videotaping because he said, I knew something was out there. He stated on TikTok. What he discovered was a bit disturbing, if, if not frightening. <laughs> a coconut crab was making off with his steak knife that had been among other utensils in a bag that was outside his tent. Uh, he said, <laughs> hey bro, hey bro, I need that knife, King says in the video before snatching the knife away from the nighttime thief. The King wrote on TikTok that he left the bag outside because he, quote, didn't think there was anything on the island that would steal it. Uh, well, joke's on you. And he, <laughs> yeah. he sure didn't figure on a coconut crab raiding his campground. Uh, their claws have a powerful grip and they are also known as robber crabs. He had one thought as to why it might have taken the knife, writing, it had ribeye residue on it, so, you know, he was hungry for a snack. And asked if it was terrifying, King replied on TikTok, I didn't sleep much after that. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Shit, I would have broken my house. Right? <laughs> my God. So I have uh, two, no, three articles that I'm going to read off of today, and basically we're going to be talking about notorious crimes that happened on Thanksgiving. So in 19, er, sorry, in 1789, President George Washington declared November 26 to be officially recognized as a day of public Thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Since then, Americans have celebrated Thanksgiving Day on each fourth Thursday in November, with most citizens typically observing a traditional gathering of families, intimate friends, for a peaceful turkey-centered feast. Mm. And then there are these people. So, um, Omeima Nelson, the model who killed, castrated, and ate her husband for Thanksgiving. Oh my damn. Yeah. So on Thanksgiving Day, 1991, Egyptian-born fashion model Omeima Nelson, 23, repeatedly plunged a pair of scissors into the chest and stomach of Bill Nelson, her 56-year-old pilot husband. 23 and 56, there's a, there's a problem there. Mm, uh, yeah. Uh, then she reached for a clothing iron. As Bill flailed, Omeima pummeled him to death with the iron until the heavy object actually broke in her hand. So, which, that takes a lot of fucking force. Yeah. Um, Omeima unleashed her fury, she claimed, over the sexual terror and other abuses to which Bill had subjected her to. Acts that reportedly included him pimping out his glamorous bride to kinky old creeps in exchange for rent, cash, and in one case, a car. Oh, wow, you fucking disgusting. So, maybe he deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't read these ahead of time, so... Um, when Bill finally expired, a.k.a. died, Omeima butchered his body on the kitchen floor. She then boiled his hands in oil to remove fingerprints and stuck his head in the freezer so she could later break out his teeth in symbolic revenge. Omeima made a point of castrating her husband as well. Jesus. She's a peach, but he's also a dick, so fuck you. Yeah. Uh, Paul Michael Maring, a Thanksgiving Day massacre years in the making, and... I think this might have been the one that I... I don't know. But on November 26, 2009, South Florida resident Paul Michael Merring... Merring? I don't know. Ate a hearty Thanksgiving meal with 16 family members and friends, conversing and joking, and even joining in on sing-alongs. After dinner, marriage... Marriage? Whatever. Whipped out a handgun and executed four relatives, including his cousin-in-law, his twin sisters, one whom was pregnant, and his cousin's six-year-old daughter... Afterward, Merig, whatever, reported, reportedly said, I've waited 20 years to do this. 
He fled the scene, but was captured and eventually cut a plea deal for seven consecutive life sentences to avoid the death penalty. Wow. That is, that's not the one that I had. <laughs> Never mind. Um, so then we have Ayalis. A, a a, we have Mr. Clay, or Mr. Oliver. I'm not sure how to say his name. Ayalis. 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 Clay Oliver. Ayalis. Elias, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Clay Oliver. We have Mr. Oliver, (laughs) a Colorado father who killed his son over unfinished Thanksgiving chores. The annoyance that Mr. Oliver, 76, felt towards his son, Keith, 49, over the younger man's refusal to help out around the house escalated to homicidal rage on Thanksgiving Day 2009. The father and son had reportedly been arguing for hours prior to Marjorie Oliver, 75, uh, Mr. Oliver's wife, and Keith, uh, his mother, asking her son to leave. He refused. His father went upstairs, retrieved a, a three fifty seven caliber re- uh, revolver, and shot Oliver to death. Fun. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> a man's home in his castle, uh, Byron David Smith, Thanksgiving Day Murders. So, Byron David Smith, a retired security engineering officer with the U.S. State Department, had dealt with his uh, Little Falls, Minnesota home being burglarized several times in as many months. He installed an alarm system, complete with video cameras aimed at several areas around his house. Then, on Thanksgiving Day in 2012, he sat in his basement with a rifle and waited. The video from that day captured Smith moving his truck from the driveway prior to the break-in to make it appear as if he weren't home. Then, an hour later, two teens in hoodies can be seen casing the place before entering the property. The teens were Haley Elaine Kiefer, 18, and her cousin, Nicholas Brady, 17, both of whom were unarmed. Smith had suspected Kiefer and Brady of being, uh, having been responsible for at least some of the earlier break-ins, and they were later suspected of a robbery of a retired school teacher that had occurred earlier that day. While Smith sat in his basement waiting, he had a tape recorder running. There are hours of audio recordings that document his time lying in wait, complete with the sound of breaking glass and the ensuing confrontation. The audio captures the shots fired and Smith's statements during during and after the killings, including, quote, I refuse to live in fear. I am not a bleeding heart liberal. Hmm. I felt like I was cleaning up a mess. I was doing my civic duty. I don't see them as human. I see them as vermin. Uh, Incredibly, despite the two dead bodies in his house, Smith wouldn't actually call the police until the next day, stating that he didn't want to bother them because of the holiday. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Just look at him. I mean, he just looks like garbage. He looks like a creepo. So then we have Shanika Alsup stabs half-brother in neck with serving fork over Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving 2012 turned gory for celebrants gathered at the home of Shanika Alsup, 27, in the course of a sibling spat about the food being served. Alsup stabbed her half-brother Deontay Antonio Wallace, 23, in the neck with a serving fork. Wallace survived and Alsup went to jail for first-degree assault, second-degree assault, and reckless endangerment. All over fucking Thanksgiving food. Like, what the fuck, man? Oh, my God. So, then we're going to move to another article. And this is from A&E. 28-year-old Baton Rouge resident Joel Michael Guy Jr. traveled from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, back home to Knoxville, Tennessee, where he reunited with his three sisters and their parents over turkey and stuffing. 
At the end of the evening, the three daughters, who all lived in Tennessee, returned to their homes, and Guy Jr. was left alone with his parents, Joel Guy Sr., 61, and Lisa Guy, 55. That's when the violence erupted. At some point between Thursday night and Monday afternoon, the Knox County Sheriff's Department claims Guy Jr. stabbed and dismembered his parents, then attempted to dissolve their bodies in a mix of drain cleaner, sewer cleaner, hydrogen peroxide, and bleach. Ugh. Jeffrey Dahmer who? Right. Um, <laughs> Guy Jr. was an undergraduate and still dependent on his parents for financial support. Family members told authorities that his parents intended to tell him of their plans to scale back support over the Thanksgiving weekend. As of March 2017, Guy Jr. is being charged with two counts of first-degree murder, two counts of abusing a corpse, and two counts of felony murder. He has no history of mental illness and no prior criminal record. Uh, Gels says that the shame around the money likely played a larger role in the killing than the money itself. Quote, the conversation had a lot more, uh, sorry. Quote, the conversation had a lot more than we're not paying your phone bill, Gels said. I suspect there was a shaming component to it and that it triggered his behavior. If you dig into the psychology of family violence, the more common underlying psychology, a psychological factor is shame. As of the original publication of this article, Guy Jr. remains in jail in lieu of a $2 million bond, and his next court date was on November 30th, 2017. So, oh, as, well, we don't know, because this is the last update was in 2018, so yeah. who knows. So, um, a long simmering, we're going to move on to another family, a long simmering tension between two Eritrean, I think, uh, a long-simmering tension between two Eritrean families joined by marriage ended with a triple murder of a sibling in prison for first-degree murder. Asmaram, I'm sorry if I say these names wrong, Asmaram and Tuadros, I'm not even going to attempt to say that last name, 53 and... Nice sure. 53, I'm not even going to attempt it, and I know I'm not going to be able to say it. Nice <laughs> 53 and 44, were convicted in the killing of their sister-in-law, Winta Mahari, 28, and her uh, her mother, Rejbi... Rugby Barangasi? Barangasi. Yeah. 50, and her brother, Jonas Mahari, 17, at the Mahari Thanksgiving. The brothers were two of 11 siblings who had immigrated to Oakland. They had erroneously believed that Winta had killed her husband, their brother, Abraham that name, earlier in that year to gain access to his $500,000 life insurance policy. A pathologist determined that Abraham had died of natural causes, yeah, okay. which is yeah. what? Um, Turidos was invited to the Mahari Thanksgiving from where he contacted uh, Asmaram and opened the door for him into the apartment. He then kidnapped the infant nephew while his brother gunned down the others. Wow. The brothers were found guilty in 2011 and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In 2016, Turidros was released from prison after having his conviction overthrown in prison and his prison sentence revised. I'm sorry, yeah, what? Life. This is a Ranker.com article. So, this one was really interesting. So, we have D.B. Cooper. The only unsolved case of hijacking and air piracy in the uh, US, U.S. history happened the night before Thanksgiving in 1971. A guy calling himself Dan Cooper, later D.B., by the media for unknown reasons, but the name stuck, boarded, boarded Northwest Airlines Flight 305 in Portland bound for Seattle. 
Mid-flight, he revealed to the flight attendant that he had a bomb in his carry-on, he showed it to her, and promptly conducted the politest hijacking ever. He got the plane to land in Seattle and demanded $200,000 in cash and two sets of parachutes. After these demands were met by the airline and the FBI, Cooper released the passengers and instructed the flight crew to take off and head for Mexico City. Shortly after his flight began, Cooper sent the flight attendant to the cockpit for safety. Ah, sorry. <laughs> A little ad popped up. Um, the cockpit, okay. Cooper sent the flight attendant to the cockpit for safety, strapped on one of the parachute sets, opened the plane's rear stairs, and jumped out into legend. No trace of Cooper was ever found. Some of the money he stole was recovered from a forest outside of Portland many years later, but the man himself and his true identity remain a mystery to this day. Cooper became a legend and folk hero because of his boldness and polite demeanor, and the FBI gave up looking for him altogether, closing its case on Cooper in 2009 without ever having solved it. Huh? Damn. <laughs> so, um, I have I think I might actually have this next uh, killer on my list of uh, stories. I'm not sure. But we have the popular smiley face killer theory claims mm -hmm. that a cable, cable, cable of serial murders is operating across the United States, targeting white male college students, dumping their bodies in rivers, lakes, or ponds to erase physical evidence and drawing smiley faces at the dump sites in order to taunt police. These deaths are normally written off as drunken drownings, but proponents of the theory maintain that there are remarkable similarities among the victims that can't be accounted for by mere chance. One of the Smiley Face Cable's possible victim was Shane Montgomery, a Westchester University student who disappeared from the streets of Philadelphia during the Thanksgiving holiday in 2014. Shane's body was discovered several days later in the... Shukil River, and his death was ruled an accident, accidental drowning by the medical examiner. But the circumstances of his death, who, if anyone, he met with after uh, leaving a bar at 2 a.m., how he wound up in the river to begin with, remain shrouded in mystery, lending credence to the proponents of the smiley face color theory. I can't talk. So, the Blount family of Lake Worth. Texas were returning from a Thanksgiving outing in 1985 uh, when 15-year-old Angela Blount found a briefcase on the porch of their mobile home. When it opened, the briefcase exploded, killing Angela, her father Joe, and her cousin Michael Columbus. Why am I getting the untouchables feeling? <laughs> right? <laughs> Ten years later, a man named Michael Tony was convicted of the crime, but his conviction was overturned because of the prosecution withheld evidence that contradicted witness testimony and exonerated Tony. Some have speculated that the Blounts weren't the intended targets of the mystery bomber and that the device was intended for one of their neighbors instead. Nonetheless, no further evidence has been produced in the case and the entire affair remains a total mystery. So we're going to move on to New Orleans-based rapper Soulja Slim, whose real name was James Tapp was on the verge of mega fame when his life was cut short by a gunman on Thanksgiving Eve 2003. Though a suspect was arrested, who claimed he had been hired to kill Tapp for $10,000, the case was dropped due to lack of witnesses. Tapp's murder remains un uh, officially unsolved, including the identity of the person who hired the alleged hitman. 
Soldier Slim's uh, song, Slow Motion, a collaboration with Juvenile, became a Billboard number one hit six months later. Uh, Karen Marie Mitchell disappeared from Eureka, California on Thanksgiving Day, 1997. She was off Sorry. She was off school for the holiday and she had just left her place of employment and stopped by a shoe store owned by her aunt and legal guardian, Ann Casper. I almost said Ann Casper, Karen. Well, Ann Casper, Casper, period. <laughs> Karen visited briefly with Casper and then headed home to prepare for the holiday festivities, but she never made it there. A witness claims he saw Karen get into a blue sedan driven by an older white man shortly after leaving the mall where her aunt worked. This man has never been identified, though two high-profile suspects were examined in connection with the case. The first was convicted murderer Wayne Adam Ford, who fit the witness's description of Karen's kidnapper, but though he confessed to several murders, Ford denied any involvement in Karen's case. Police were never able to tie him to the crime. The second suspect was Robert Durst, if, y'all, if you know, you know, of the recent HBO documentary The Jinx, Durst appears to have visited Casper's store several times and was in Eureka that day, but like Ford, police have been unable to definitively link Durst to the crime, and Karen's fate—sorry, uh, Karen's remain—Karen's fate remains unknown. The Thanksgiving murder of a prominent Portland attorney that may never be solved. So, at first glance, the Thanksgiving death of Portland, Oregon public defender Nancy Bergeson looked like natural causes. There were no signs of trauma or other marks on her body, which was discovered in her living room, but an autopsy determined that she had been strangled to death with a soft object, possibly a scarf, on Thanksgiving Day 2009. The circumstances of her murder are unknown, and because police initially acted on the assumption that her death had been natural, crucial evidence was likely lost from the crime scene in the early days of the investigation. Her case remains open with a highly with a high probability of it never being solved. So, on Thanksgiving Day, 1977, 6-year-old Beth Lynn Barr was walking home from school in Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania to spend the holiday with her family, but she never arrived. Because Beth's father was a local cop, the police leapt uh, immediately into action when Beth didn't come home. But it was all to no avail, and Beth was never found. A witness later reported seeing Beth being carried to a blue sedan driven... What is it? What's blue sedan? Driven by an older... Oh, all these blue sedans. I have a blue sedan. What the fuck? I mean, 70s? <laughs> um, driven by an older white man, and the car was traced at, to a local rental agency. But the agency's records showed that the car had not been loaned out that day. It was possible that the perpetrator had stolen the car for use in his crime and returned it to the agency before anyone noticed it was gone. I mean, it was the 70s, so it probably wasn't that hard to steal a car back then. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. (laughs) Sadly, Beth's skeletal remains were discovered in a shallow, unmarked grave near Monroeville, Pennsylvania, two years later, and she had been stabbed several times in the chest, and her killer remains at large, identity unknown. So, shortly after 10 p.m. on Thanksgiving night, 2002, an unknown assailant fired shots through the curtained windows of Joseph and Evangeline Britt's home in Tacoma, Washington. The Britt's had been hosting a large Thanksgiving dinner gathering with about 25 people attending. When the shooting stopped, two of those people, 19-year-old Kimberly Riley and 5-year-old Jeremy Britt Bayen Savong, wow, were dead, uh, two other attendees were wounded but survived their injuries. 
Witnesses saw a man with dark hair fleeing the scene in a pickup truck, but was never identified, and his motive for firing into a house full of Thanksgiving revelers remains a mystery as well. One of the oldest unsolved Thanksgiving murders occurred almost a century ago in Schenectady County, New York. John H. Woodruff, a gang protector for the county, left his home on Thanksgiving Day 1919 to patrol the area, and he never returned. His body was found almost two years later in April 1921, buried in a shallow grave near a creek bed. The top half of Woodruff's skull had been detached, indicating that he had been killed by a blow from a large object, possibly an axe. Damn. Yeah, no. Woodruff's wife claimed that uh, he had received... Wait, hang on, what? Woodruff's yeah. wife claimed he had received, then destroyed, a threatening letter a few months before his disappearance, and a witness reported seeing Woodruff's arguing with another man on the day in question. Woodruff and the man then walked off together into the woods, and it was the last time anyone saw him alive. No suspect or motive has ever been identified in Woodruff's case after almost 100 years. His murder has remained unsolved. Wow. Fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. So, yeah, I guess, um, you know, if you're going to partake in Thanksgiving uh, festivities, um, be careful. Stay away from windows. Do not. Um, don't go out. Yeah. <laughs> Stay home. Do not make unnecessary journeys. Do not. Uh, what was it? Don't go in. <laughs> what is that? That one video. She's like, it's like a snowstorm or, or hurricane. She's like, do not, uh, do not make unnecessary journeys. Do not walk in the street and do not swim in the sea. <laughs> do not swim in the sea. <laughs> like, damn right. Shit. Fuck, man. So, um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. 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 So we're gonna go eat some pumpkin pie, and right. uh, mm. yeah, fuck yeah, well, fuck up some pumpkin pie. Thanks for listening to the Creep Show. I'm Sam, and I'm Ashley. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Creep Show Chronicles. If you'd like to contact us or give us recommendations, you can email us thecreepshow18 at gmail .com. Creep us on social media. All of our info is on our link tree at the Creep Show Chronicles. Be sure to share our show so we can grow our audience. Stay creepy. Bye.